Well, 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 well. Has God been good to somebody here tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you say, hey, what are you waiting for? Well, it's called this. You, you, uh, you don't run red lights. You only go through green lights. You don't go through red lights. So if you're not sure that the light is green, you don't move. Is what the Israelites called moving with the cloud. As a matter of fact, let, let me go ahead and read that to you. Why don't you go ahead to the book of Numbers? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, go to Numbers 9. Bless the name of Jesus. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Mm. And the scripture says, and on that day, on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at evening there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed. And at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents. And according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so it was when the cloud abode from evening unto the morning and that the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they journeyed. Whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord, they rested in their tents. And at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. 
Now, there's something that I want us to see here tonight. And it is very significant. Recognizing that this cloud, what appeared as cloud by day, and what appeared as fire by night, was the presence of Almighty God. And you can see by the meticulous way that these instructions were given that God is being meticulous on purpose and really wanting to get something across to his people. And what he's wanting to get across is simply this. When I move, you move. And when I stand still, you stand still. And the application of that is absolutely across the board and, and, and multi, it's multifaceted. In your own personal life, when you sense the cloud staying there, and you're sensing that regarding something that you've been thinking about moving on, but you see and you have the sense that the cloud is standing still, you don't go ahead and move just because you thought it was time to move. Woo-wee. God's talking to somebody tonight. Because if you move, when the cloud's not moving, then all the blessings and the benefits and the provision and everything you need is going to be back in the cloud. And if you miles ahead of the cloud, guess what? Then you won't be where the provision's at, where the blessing's at, and where the benefit's at. So that applies to our everyday lives and everyday decision making, whether to move or whether not to move. As a matter of fact, go to Acts chapter 16. I want to teach you something here. This is not planned, but hey, hey, nothing else was planned tonight, so it's all good. (laughs) Glory be to God. I just had a wonderful something to minister to you on prayer tonight. It's in here, and maybe another night we'll get to it, but it ain't going to be tonight. Acts chapter 16. And I, I, I want us to get this. What's this idea of when the cloud stands still, you stand still, stay in your tent. And when the cloud moves, then you get up and journey. Is that just a, an Old Testament thing? Or is there an application for that in the New Testament? Acts chapter 16 Why don't you go ahead and uh, start with verse 4. And it says, and as they, that being Paul and his company that he was traveling with, went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia 
and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit allowed them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and begged him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now this is uh, a very interesting parallel to what we were just reading in the book of Numbers. And, And think about this. There is a difference in all for us to get this. There's a difference between good things and God things. Mm -hmm. Somebody need to get this. There's a difference between good things and God things. Look at verse 6 again. The, The end of that verse says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And you might scratch your head and say, wait just a minute. What could be wrong with preaching the word in Asia? Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Jesus is the one who sent us the Holy Ghost. He said, I, it, 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 I got to go, but, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And this Holy Ghost is that very one. And this Holy Ghost is telling these people not to preach the word in Asia. What's up with that? Look at the next verse. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not allow them. So it's interesting. Times where they were ready to pull up the tents and move. But the cloud, the Holy Ghost, wasn't moving that way. Looked over somewhere else and thought, yeah, it's time to pull up the tent stakes and we're going to go ahead and head on this way. And what happened? Uh-uh. No, that's not the right move either. Now, why would the Holy Spirit say no to these guys preaching the gospel in Asia or preaching the gospel in Bithynia? Why on earth would he do that? Can I enlighten you on something? Is that God has not called you to do everything. Somebody say, Woo, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. God has not called you to do everything. 
You know, there's one person who had the spirit without measure. John 3, 34 teaches us this. And that person was the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the spirit without measure. He functioned fully as apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He could have them all on his business card. And he qualified for every one of them. But God has not called us to do everything or to be everything. God has called you to do what he's called you to do. Now, what about Bithynia? Did God not love those people in Bithynia? Oh, yes, he did. But can I, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to enlighten you on something here. Glory be to God. You want to see something jump off the page at you? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. (laughs) Now you got Paul and his crew that were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go to Asia and the Spirit also did not allow them to go to this place called Bithynia. 1 Peter 1. Are you there? Take a look at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God did not forget the people of Asia and Bithynia. God loved the people of Asia and Bithynia, but it was not the assignment that God had for Paul's crew. It was somebody else's assignment. So Peter could write his epistle to these strangers that were scattered throughout these regions because somebody else did get the green light from the Holy Ghost to go there and did their job and set things up. And therefore, there were believers there that were right there to receive this epistle from Peter. But that assignment was not For Paul and his crew, that's why to them, the Holy Ghost said no. But obviously, to somebody else, the Holy Ghost said yes. Do you see that? So what you need to know is what your assignment is. What your assignment is. And you know what's interesting is that along with the assignment is the point in time when you are released into an assignment. You know, Habakkuk talked about the vision, 
Write the vision down. That he may run. Who reads it? And then it's interesting, if you, if you look at those verses, it looks like he's saying in, in one verse to run with it and the next verse to wait for it. How many of you know that passage of scripture, know what I'm talking about? It's like, all right, do I run with it or do I wait for it? What's up, Lord? Because a lot of times we're falling into a ditch in one, one place or the other where we're, we're either waiting when we should be running or running when we should be waiting. But, but there is a timing in God that we need to be very aware of. You may not understand that timing, but if you may know you're supposed to get up and go somewhere, and so you've got your direction right, you've got your next location right, but you may not have your timing right because if the cloud's still there and not moving, even though you may have some insight into the next what, you need to wait for your when. Go back to Acts. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. Acts 13. Yeah, I'm going to drink some water now. Acts chapter 13. Hallelujah. Look at verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Someone say prophets and teachers. As Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, who we better know as Paul. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So notice something here of God's timing. It mentions these five guys, starting with Barnabas and ending with Saul, who we better know as Paul, the apostle. But at this point here, it's not identifying Paul as apostle, it's identifying him as prophet and teacher. Did you ever know that? Interesting. And so these guys are having a prayer meeting. They're ministering to the Lord. They're fasting. 
And in an atmosphere like that, the Holy Ghost can talk. And that's why I say there's a whole lot of us in the house that need to have more time of ministering to the Lord and fasting so that we can get some clear direction on some things. Because, you know, uh, when, you, when you have distractions in life and, and you're, you're not allowing yourself that focused time with the Lord, which even the Lord Jesus himself took lots of, focused, quiet, private time with the Lord. And if you do not allow yourself that, what will happen is that you... you can very easily miss what the Holy Ghost says because what the Holy Ghost says is a whole lot easier to hear and to pick up in those times where you're just separated from all the other stuff. And it, this is a time where I am ministering to the Lord. This is not about anybody else. This is about the Lord. This is all time for the Lord. This is time to say, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? You just say the word, hear my send me. And let them talk. And so in this kind of atmosphere, the Holy Ghost spoke and he said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, they were already doing good things for the Lord. I mean, you know, prophet and teacher, that's pretty all right. The, the, those, those are important jobs, important offices to fill in the body of Christ. But the Holy Ghost is saying, these guys need to get separated to what I really called them to do. The ultimate calling. And when they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And it says that they were not just sent away by the other guys who laid their hands on them. Verse 4 says they were sent away, sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Now this is what I want you to get. Verse 2, go back there. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, or separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate, call. Separate, call. Notice when God identifies them as being called, that's past tense. I have called them. They were already called to stand in the office of an apostle. They were already called there. But this was not the time of their calling because they already had that. This was the time where they were being separated unto the calling. This was the timing where they were being released, turned loose into the thing that God had already called them to do, but the cloud hadn't moved yet. They were called, but the cloud didn't move yet. They could see themselves doing some things, but the cloud didn't move yet. But here in Acts chapter 13, the cloud moves and God speaks and says it's separation time unto that calling. 
where now you're not just someone with a calling to do something. You're somebody with the green light now to go and do what you were called to do. But if you did it before the cloud moved, yeah, you, you'd have done it all right. Yeah, you'd have done it by yourself and left God behind you, left your source of help behind you. A wise proverb that, uh, not, not biblical proverb, but just a little rhyme that, that I learned back in my Bible school days goes like this. Some got sent and some just got up and went. And you've got the choice whether you're going to be the ones who are sent or the ones who just got up and went. So we're talking about the things of the spirit tonight. Things that you need to know. Things that you need to understand. And this is the way that this functions in our individual lives and regarding God's will for our individual lives. There may be things that you know God's putting you to do. But if the timing's not right, if the thermometer in the turkey hasn't gone pop yet, come on. (laughs) You just can't jump on it. And you got to also know this. Oh, this is wisdom. Uh, Is somebody ready to receive some wisdom? Wisdom. You are not the only person in the world who has the Holy Ghost. Which means if you're really sold on something and there's nobody else that is over you in the Lord or people that you have confidence in the Lord that is sold on the same thing, That's a good reason to kind of have a little second guessing session here. Because it's real simple. If you have multiple radios that are tuned into the same station, you will get the same signal. Now, if I want to tout myself as being called to do something, yeah, glory to God, I'm called to do this. And, and neither my pastor nor any of the other people around me that I respect in the Lord, that I know know God, know the voice of God, know the Holy Ghost, if they don't see it and they don't get it, and if I realize that I'm the only one that seems to be getting this, that's a good reason to pause right there. Because... If it's the Holy Ghost, then other people with the Holy Ghost will recognize the same thing just like in that room on that day. In Acts chapter 13, those other three guys who had the Holy Ghost recognized what Saul and Barnabas already knew they were called to do. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. So that, that's the way that the, the cloud factor operates in our everyday lives. Now, 
Let us go on to this thought. How does the, the cloud factor operate in the context of a church service? Well, first of all, let me tell you this. That from our standpoint, and I, I know there's a bunch of hungry people in the house, but I know there's, there's some people that have just kind of been, yep, Wednesday night, you know, here we go to church again. And, and that, that, kind of, that, that kind of attitude to uh, a, a service and, and a time of worship and a time of hearing the word. And, and you, you know, you, you're coming in with an expectation like that or a lack of expectation like that. You know, uh, that, that little statement Jesus made, according to your faith, be it unto you, that can work positively and negatively. It means if you don't expect nothing, you ain't going to get nothing. And so there, there's something about us uh, preparing ourselves when we're coming into the house of God and coming into a place, a gathering of believers for the purpose of prayer, for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of the ministry of the word and the ministry of the spirit of God. There is a, a, an element of believers preparing themselves to come into this setting. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 14, which is a, an outstanding chapter describing uh, the, 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 many of the things of the Spirit and the, the flow of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. But 1 Corinthians 14, Paul describes people coming to church having things, having a song, having a song inside of them. Having a word inside of them. Now, do all things need to be done decently and in order? Of course. But you are not supposed to just come to church to get something. According to the Bible, you're supposed to come to church already having something. And for where God wants to take us. I am absolutely convinced that that is a very pivotal part of it. Because if you're coming already having something and you think, all right, yeah, I got a word. So pastor, I need the mic so I can deliver that word. I, I won't say that there, there's never a suitable time for that. But you know what? You see, we, we limit God so much and we limit the gifts of the Spirit so much to fit into this little box where I'm being used by God. If I get up, hold the microphone and say, yay, my little children, I love you. And, and, and if it's not uh, packaged that certain way, we don't recognize it as God moving. 
as opposed to you looking over at, at the person two rows in front of you to your right and you say, uh, you just sense inside that, that that word I came here with tonight, that word of encouragement, the, 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 that word to, to bless somebody and set me free is for them. But here we are because we limit God so much and we think, well, God does it this way. Yeah, I, so I need to be up in the front in front of everybody. And you miss the opportunity to do the very thing that God called you to do. So I want us to, to, to get to, to, to flow with the spirit in the context of, of, of a service. Now, now the pastor is the one who can actually, uh, uh, is the one that is responsible before God for, to interpret the flow of a service. And I want you to know that tonight I was being very, very cautious to not jump the gun on the atmosphere in this place and do something that was just going to go ahead and pour something on it, pour water on it, do something that, that, that would have affected the flow. The, the, the flow of the spirit and the service is something that we need to be very much aware of. And it's not just up here. I'm telling you, it's out there. It's out there. It affects things. If, if, if you've got a minister ministering to the sick, laying hands on the sick to be healed, and if you've got a bunch of people in the congregation just watching and say, well, let's see if anything happens tonight, as opposed to, to, to what a minister can sense when the congregation is with them and every person they get up here to pray for. Yeah, I tell you, it, it's not just happening here. It's happening all over this building. There's faith all over the building. There, there's an atmosphere of expectancy all over the building. There's people that are tuning into God all over the building because of the realization that this is not a one-man show. God never intended it to be a one-man show. Does God have somebody in authority? Of course he does. But I tell you, it does not all rise and fall on that one man. What can a man do if folks aren't with him? What can a man do if folks are otherwise occupied in their mind and in their heart and in their attention, giving their attention to other things and not the things of the word and the things of the spirit? But when you've got your pastor going a certain way, and when you got all of us, the winds and the usins in the house, all going the same way, flowing the same direction. That's called unity, people. That's called one accord. And it's amazing if you just take a look through the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, and see the kind of amazing things that happened when people were in one accord. Just read the book of Acts a little bit. 
and you will say, wow. So get this, get this, understand how very important this is. That in this context of the church service, if the clouds move in a certain direction, yeah, if the clouds move in a certain direction, and you got half the church uh, saying, let's go with the cloud, and another half uh, of, of the church just staying back and, and uh, staying in the tent and resting in the tent. You know what that's called? That's called a, a camp that's not in one accord. So, so what God is looking for is that we all come into his presence, into the, the, the flow of a service, and we're tuned into him because we came not just to get something, we already came with something. And in this atmosphere here, we're, we're tuned into the spirit of God and understanding this, that the Bible says don't quench the spirit, so we don't want to do anything to quench the spirit. The Bible says don't grieve the spirit, so we don't want to do anything to grieve the spirit. But, but if, if we flow with him and we cooperate with him and we're all going the same direction together, that's the kind of atmosphere in which God can do things that he's been longing to do a long time and he just needed us to be there together in unity for that to happen. Hallelujah. I don't know everybody's background, but I can tell you that I've been blessed to be in quite a lot of meetings over quite a lot of years. And I've got to see a lot of things. And uh, thank God for the opportunities I've had to, to be able to, to see what I've seen. Even, even some of the wacky stuff I've seen has benefited me because at least I was able to figure out it was wacky and warn other people about it. <laughs> yeah. However, getting to see a lot of things uh, and, and being in a lot of services and being in a lot of worship atmospheres, there's so many times where something could have happened and it didn't happen because of somebody running ahead of the cloud. I can tell you a classic example. Oh, this is just so unusual. You know, the, uh, uh, I had zero plans of doing this. That's why it's so much fun. <laughs> but, Danny, you, you've been around for a while, so I know you're going to know what I'm talking about. Classic example. Beautiful time of worship. Holy hush comes on the crowd. I mean, God's in the place. I mean, you're afraid to move. You're afraid to to blink your eyelashes. I mean, heaven has filled the place. And right at that moment, in that holy hush, old brother so-and-so, who always thinks he's got to prophesy at that moment in the service, gets up to prophesy. Now, is there something wrong with prophecy? No. no nothing wrong with prophecy when the, when the Lord is ordaining it. But, but somebody who just thinks, oh it's, oh, it's nice and quiet now. Here's my time to show everybody how spiritual I am. And I mean, there's been times where, where, where the, the wrong step taken at that point in the service. I mean, you had something that was just heaven on earth, felt so good, and then <laughs> someone poured water on the fire just like that. You know what I'm talking about, man? You've been to that church. 
<laughs> I'm not saying that in the back bed. <laughs> we'll keep that in the confessional booth. <laughs> hey, y'all, I tell you, it's amazing how many times we have been uh, in a place where God could do something, could do something, wanted to do something, and yet are not flowing with him or jumping the gun and getting ahead of the cloud could so negatively impact the atmosphere in the service. But if we just cooperate with him, if we just yield to him, if we just flow with him and learn his ways, See, a lot of times we've jumped the gun because we didn't know him. Sometimes we didn't even have enough sense to recognize he was standing still. And sometimes we didn't have enough wisdom to realize that he was getting up and moving. But understand, both in your personal life and in the context of the local church, the lesson of the cloud. When the cloud stays, you can stay in your tent. But when that cloud moves, you move. And don't you think about moving if the cloud's not moving. Because everything you need is in that cloud. And you can't afford, and I can't afford, and we as a body cannot be afford to be separated from the source of everything we need that is in the cloud of God's presence. Can you praise God with me tonight? Hallelujah.